The perfect end to a week of silent reflection. Ten minutes of out loud reflection. So, hi, my name is Amelia Travis, and I used my roommate's, my best friend's, life to avoid having to face the reality of his death. Hello, Amelia. Thank you for sharing. <sighs> this sucks. I would have gone to an actual self-help group, except, no, I wouldn't have gone to an actual self-help group. It's tough enough doing this in front of myself. <sighs> okay, let's try this again. There won't be talking about what's been going on today. Today I'll be looking into the past. Reflecting on... Important moments. Nice moments. Not so nice ones. Moments that... That I might have ignored too much recently. Here goes nothing. I'll start this off at a slightly unusual point, I guess. Or... I wouldn't know, actually. Starting in childhood does seem rather comprehensive, compared to if I'd started off with something like a parallel dimension. There's worse ways to go. When Otter and I were little, we were inseparable, you know, kid sisters. We didn't care that we weren't blood relatives. For the most part, we weren't even sure what that meant. Being the younger one, I trailed after Oddly like she was the sun and I was some strangely attached planet. From most people, I've heard that they found their younger siblings annoying for a while, but Otter was never annoyed with me. She loved taking care of me and would often make sure I got to come along when she went away with her friends. I looked up to her because of how much she cared about people. I was far from the only one. She always knew that she wanted to help people. First, she had a phase where she wanted to become a firefighter. Two years later, she was going to be an ER doctor. Then she realized that she didn't like being cooped up for long stretches of time or studying into medical conditions, so she steered towards becoming a personal trainer. The point is, she never had one job she stuck with for a longer time, but she always knew that she wanted to do something to do with helping people. Meanwhile, me? All I knew was that my sister was amazing and knew exactly in what direction she was headed. While I stood in a clearing, not seeing any paths. I tried finding something I liked, I, I really did. But every idea started to feel like it was just something Audrey had already decided not to do. Or just comparatively weak and pointless. And, like, you can't be mad at someone for wanting to help people. My own insecurities were not Audrey's fault. She'd always been a great role model. She'd treat me like an intellectual equal, but no matter how much she tried to share her popularity, I never stepped up, because how could I? Silly little Amelia, with no ambition and no goal or direction in life, ever measure up to Audrey, who knew what she wanted and would do anything to get it. Admiration turned into, yes, jealousy, which made me feel even worse, because Audrey would never have felt jealous of anyone. Surely. I'm aware now that the rosy, golden picture I have of her is... Well, not very skewed, but let's say, not well handled. The next point of self-realization concerns a person in my life on the opposite spectrum. Or at least my perception of him. Greg. 
When I met Greg for the first time, moving to Liverpool, I felt lost, alone, and above all, insecure. I'd chosen to go to a college to learn about science on a foolish whim of following my sister, both physically and, as I thought back then, academically, for a lack of a better idea myself. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So meeting Greg was like meeting my worst fears realized. That's what he looked like to me. Someone who'd thrown their own life away to instead worship another. Sound familiar? It didn't to me, until I wrote it down. Self-realization is a B-I-T-C-H. I subconsciously saw myself in Greg in the most unflattering way. So I began to loathe him. Thinking back, he's not a bad guy. Yeah, he loves Stargirl, but he's engaged and enthusiastic, and unlike me back then, he had a job he wanted to be doing. He was actually doing much better than me, but, but I still disliked him, because to me, it looked like he had a weakness that I couldn't admit to myself that I had. My relationship with Gordon is an amalgamation of all of the above, which is why I'm mentioning it in the first place. There's probably a lot of puzzle pieces I'm missing, but this is the best I could put together. Because Gordon is not an unreachable standard that dangled in front of me, nor was he a physical representation of my problems. He was uncomplicated, had a job, but didn't strive for anything greater, seemed very down-to-earth emotionally, and didn't expect... well, anything from me, really. He just liked me the way I was. And I guess he still does. With him, there was no pressure, which was new and comfortable, which is why I accepted it without evaluating my feelings first. A good-looking, simple guy was exactly the patch my ego needed. But the thing with pressure, the important kind is never an external one. The relationship failed because I was being dishonest to Gordon about who I really was, not because he wanted me to. Like I said, he had no expectations of me. I was being dishonest to Gordon because I was being dishonest to myself. I forced myself to fit what I thought he wanted me to be because I didn't think that just me was enough. And herein lies the crux of the matter. I didn't feel I was enough. But that was about to change. Martin broke the cycle because I couldn't read him. He was so foreign to me, there was no relation or comparison for my subconscious to draw. Only a mystery to solve. Something interesting and distracting. Like Gordon, he wasn't apparently better than me, like I perceived Audrey to be. He wasn't like me in any way, like I assumed Greg was, and all the while he seemed happy. Not content like Gordon, not ambitious like Audrey. A middle ground, the existence of which boggled my mind so much, it must have been one of the big reasons I never moved out or called the cops. I wanted to know who this Martin was, and how he balanced his life in a way I'd seen no one do. And as I kept digging, it became obvious that he simply had a passion. Not a goal like Audrey. A passion. A craft that he enjoyed and he was content doing. I'm not sure why I got along with Martin. He was very accepting. I feel he'd had a bad experience with a roommate prior. But this isn't his psyche, Val. So, moving on. 
The bizarre truth is, we did get along. The bizarre truth is he became my best friend. Even though we never talked about ourselves, we never shared anything from our lives, we worked together on a mutually beneficial level. We were what the other person needed, but like with a lot of things in my life, I realized that much too late. I got too fed up with Gordon. I got careless. My life was a knotted mess, and Martin got entangled through no fault of his own. But the most difficult part of this whole journey, that I'll achieve somewhere near its end, it's finally accepting, truly believing, that it, Martin's death, wasn't my fault. And I'm far from the end of that journey, but that can't stop me from taking it on. It mustn't. Because then I'd really be what I'm so gosh darn afraid of being. Or what I thought I was, and think I am, still, a little bit. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm finally learning to be myself. And, and that that's a good thing. It'll take a while, especially because, well, <laughs> I still am pretending to be Martin, and that's obviously not... me. Baby steps, Amelia. Baby steps. Thank you for listening to Normally Ordinary. Today you heard the voice of Esther Reisenberger as Amelia Travis. If you like and want to support this show, please rate and review it anywhere you can and spread the word among your friends. And remember, behind every mask 